0: like a morning like I was with you the blow job working fans podcast cool yep all right here we go coming down three two
1: welcome back for another week of the working fans podcast. This is AJ. And I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us, as we do every week. Our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at fans working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast pocket Cast, radio public apple podcasts and you can actually check us out on youtube now it's important when you go into the apple Podcasts and youtube hit that subscribe button give us a rating Let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans.
2: The Working Fans Podcast with Joe and Dave. And today we got a guy who's competed for WWE, WCW. He's been in Japan. He's a former Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion. And he's about the second or third most famous guy from Ashland, Kentucky. Bobby Blaze. Bobby, how you doing? Hey, man,
0: I'm doing pretty good. Good to hear from you guys. Yeah, I'm probably the... Well, I do that damn Billy Ray Cyrus, but at one point, I was probably the second most famous person from Ashland, Kentucky, the first being Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I'm in good company at that, right? When I first met, well, when I first had my tried smoking ground, that was the first thing I I met for that several days. you try it was like Bobby is the second most famous man out of Ashland, Kentucky. The first kid,
2: Charles Manson. That always stuck with me. That's a good intro,
0: you know. <laughs> it's definitely memorable. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
2: you know, as long as I don't know. <laughs> How you guys doing, man? Oh, uh, we're doing good. A little snow up here in Connecticut, but what do you want? It's Connecticut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How are things out there?
0: Well, actually, it's cold the a whore's heart, and we're getting just a little <laughs> bit of snow here and there, but uh, mostly just uh, rain at this point.
2: Oh, good. <laughs> it's a little cold, and uh, the hell is December, what do you expect? Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, right. Bobby, you were trained by Rick Newsom. What can you tell us about Rick?
0: Okay, yeah, so I was trying to get into wrestling, you know, I've always been a fan, and at one point I decided that's what I want to do. I'd, Trying to break down doors, knocking on doors, sending out letters and pictures. And I was just lifting weights, running, and had a little bit of wrestling, training, this and that. And I went to an independent show, and I met a guy named Rick Newsom, who ended up being just a couple hours from me, and I'm here in Kentucky. And he said, Yeah, I'll help you. I had went to the Monster Factory up in New Jersey for a couple of days just I didn't try out or anything but I went up there to get a feel for it because that was one of the people that contacted me <clears throat> had some other people contact me but it was like too far from home kind of situation and Rick he just happened to live a couple hours from me and kind of took me under like I'll, I'll help you train your son <laughs> and super great guy uh, very successful in the law enforcement world I'll leave it at that he was had a very successful career and in wrestling he had been a bodybuilder and he knew a lot about wrestling and so he took me and we started training a little bit, just, you know, stand up and take down And then we got the ring eventually, you know. But it was, so with Rick, I, you know, nothing but respect for Rick. But sometimes Rick and I just kind of beat the crap out of each other, <laughs> if you will. Uh, I did have uh, several matches with him. And, of course, things changed as time went on as, as far as my training went. But it was a really good experience. And I really appreciate him breaking me in because I had my first match against him back on uh, September 11th, 1988, over in a small town called Hayside, Virginia. And pretty much, I, just like I said, kind of beat the crap out of each other, you know, kicking, brawling, but some, I don't know, some wrestling, I don't, definitely no high spots. but um, yeah, you know, it was all good, and I, like I said, nothing but respect to Rick, and, you know, kind of got my foot in the door, if you will, for what I thought I knew about professional
2: wrestling. <laughs> Bobby, you went on there, actually, you're the third guy that we've interviewed, Barry Horowitz and Bob Cook being the others, who went on to train with uh, Malencos, is that correct? Yes, it is, man. And uh,
0: shout-out to Bob Cook and uh, Barry Horwitz. Bob Cook, at one time when I first met him, he was introduced to me as uh, the best professional wrestler in Florida. I mean, he was good, man. Bob Cook was good. And I was like, why did what? He used to? Yeah, I saw him. I went to a, uh, a, a Championship Wrestling Florida uh, taping and a show. And I don't know if it's a taping, a show anyway. And so we went to dinner out with me. And,
3: and Xbox one, two, three
0: Kid, Sean Waltman. Sean's who i hung out with a lot. And uh, we watched Bob work and, and he looked at me, he goes, oh, you're the shit? And Sean went, no, he's not, he's actually pretty good. And i was like, well, I hope no one ever calls my work the shit. But I'm like, no, sir, I'm not even. But I, you know, Bob's a good dude. The ferry I met, you know, a couple of years later, and i nothing but respect those guys because we had a great, not just a, a wrestling coach, but he was he was what meant to work me, was a teacher to me, and he was he's pretty much like a father figure to me in my life. Uh, Professor Boris Blanco was, and uh, he trained. He was just a really good trainer, for, you know, for wrestling, for professional
2: style wrestling, and also conditioning. And, and you took away from it what you put into
0: it, and I—I I took a lot out of it because I put a lot into it because, I, you know, I, I, I was seeking his approval, respect that if I'd done something, I was doing it good or doing it right, you know. And It was a great experience. And after a while, I was at the camp for about four months, or so Dean came in and, and had a lot to do with my training as well. And Joe, his older son, had something to do with it, uh, several points when he was come to the camp. So as I found out, like I said, I was writing those letters and seeing out the publicity pictures, if you will, just the little addresses I had here and there, the Malenko school got a hold of me, but I, so we my, you know, letter, like, yeah, we have a camp this and that. And I will say, there was a man up in uh, Minnesota, Marvin Jones was the one that kind of put me in touch with them, but on the, 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 word, the wording was, the Malenko's are the best crafts craftsmen in the wrestling business and I think that's what happened they they're such good craftsmen. but I think I learned they cracked from them you know the art of professional wrestling if you will so yeah I, I'm, I was honored it was I'm in a special class to, to be I was trained by
2: Professor Boris Malenko in a Malenko wrestling you know yeah I mean everybody that we've talked to has put them over big time Bob has said that uh, he learned from the best. Barry said he learned from the best. And that's that's not a surprise. Everybody that I've heard in other interviews too have always put over the Milenko's as just being the best school you can go to.
0: It was. And, you know, I was I went there. Uh, I was going down on weekends at first, maybe every other weekend. And, and, and cause I was living up in Orlando. And this is, this was out in Tampa. And I'd go and I'd do like a, a Saturday and a Sunday only training for about three or four, I don't know, three or four months. And then I, the room opened up at camp. And when I lived there, I went four days a week for four months straight. And then as I started traveling this and that, I, I returned back to Florida and ended up doing some training there and helping out with some of the younger guys. And I never saw anyone get hurt or get taken advantage of. They were such professionals. And I'm not saying injuries don't happen, you know, I'm just saying, but in training, those guys and, and the trainers they had there, you know, there was never liberty safe. They want to stop and show you the right way of things and, and things and you just know at any minute they could stretch you, you know, six way to Sunday <laughs> or, you know, embarrass you or whatever or sit your ass down. <laughs> but it was so professional to have them take their time and say, hey, wait a minute, here's the way you do it. Now, I remember one time I was uh, in the ring with a guy and he kind of kneed me in, in the jaw a little bit, and I, I it was like a uh, high knee lift or something. But when Dean Dean was in there, and he stopped it, he goes, "Bobby, stay right here." And he was kind of showing that guy the steps. And I turned my head, you know, to see what Dean was doing. And he goes, "No, just please, Bobby, stay right there. You got He goes, "I'm the least person here that you need to be worried about getting injured behind the ring." And I just, man, I had trusted before that, but then I really trusted because he just put me in position and showed up the guy. Here's what you're trying to do, but you're hitting him right up in his head. that he should come across his chest or something. Of course, with Dean doing it, you're like, so I just completely like, wow, how true. I tell people now, if I'm showing someone from the edge of the ring or I'm up standing on their apron watching them, I, and I show them, I am the least person you need to worry about hurting you because I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to show you how to do it the right way. You know, if one of these young guys will say, well, what do you think about this? I'll say, well, slow your steps down or speed them up or whatever, just something like that. But I never get that lesson. like. Mm. Don't try to take liberties or take advantage of people or embarrass them, you know. That's not a way you're not a good coach if you knew that. At that at that at the Malencos they were excellent because they never did that to you. You 100%. know, I didn't have any other people and
3: I, I respect that too, that
0: someone didn't get embarrassed, you know, but at any time they could have I said
2: stretch here told you get the hell out or whatever. <laughs> you know, they, they were very very professional, you know. That's awesome.
0: Uh, so I think, yeah, it was.
3: From the way you're describing it, it's almost like the Malenko's were teaching a trade. And when we talked to Al Snow, he actually talked about getting his school set up where it's an accredited trade school, almost teaching wrestling. Did the Malenko's kind of teach a trade, you think, to their students? I do. I think so. I
0: think that's a good way to put that. And uh, shout out to Al, man. I like what he's done down in Ohio High Valley. I don't know how that would how that would work, but with the with thing the way things are, I can see that happening. That you're actually learning a trade, you know, like any other trade. And I'd like to see it because if you, I don't again, I mean, like how it'd be accredited. That's a great idea, especially if you have a system in place like the Malenko did. You know, you just didn't start off with suplexes the first day, and I've heard of people doing that, and they start running the ropes, and you know, get, get with two by fours, and they think they saw that one that The first thing, the truth, and knowing how, and knowing how. Talented that he is and, and how disciplined he is in, in teaching, I, I, yeah, I would think that'd be great. And I think the Malencos, that's what they had. They, they eventually, when I went, it was just, you know, Malenko's Wrestling School or whatever. It came after, within a couple of years of me being there, they moved to a different location and actually became you know, the Malenko Wrestling Academy. Again, not, not accredited at that time by, you know, colleges or something or a trade school. But, uh, yeah, I think that's what they had. They had such a good system in place. You start at point A. Go to point B and and learn a system or a trade because they you know taught you about doing bookings or taking bookings and uh, and you know we did everything from you know learning to set up the ring to to uh, interviews how to you know how to speak. is a you know even Terry Funka says Malenko is one of greatest all time you know promo guys and so you know he'd sit there and tell you like you know just he wouldn't put words in your mouth he'd say you know here's here's the emotion behind that think about what you're doing and. And where you're going with it. So yeah, I can see that just like, um, at the, uh, performance center, I guess, you know, you have, you can have classes on your promos, have classes on, you know, the basics to advance. I think that's a great idea. And I wish out the best of luck because I do tell these young guys, if you're ever getting into professional wrestling business, get trained by someone that's been there and done it. Don't just say, can i cut kind of to get out. It's jumped in like, I'm going to be a wrestler, you know, kind of thing, but it was harder to do. But I said, I have about ten or twelve matches. It took me some time to realize that. Oh, wait a minute here. This is a business, so that's why I decided to move to Tampa and go to a, a training academy, if you will. You know. So uh, yeah, that's a great idea. I wish him luck. If I remember correctly, out there get trained by someone good that knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if I remember correctly from your book, you kind of said that malenko approached training as he would teach you conditioning then he would teach you wrestling and then he would teach you to make money because you got to learn the steps to be able to make money from it not just graduate to that point
0: right yeah and that's why that's why it's good at. there's a system in place there some people that you know went to malenko they may not want just the conditioning or they they just learned to be a superstar overnight or what have you but but I when I went to it, what I did I was I was in pretty good shape or so I thought and I built pretty good or so I thought but I but I wasn't in wrestling condition. And I, I was like, Oh, okay. And so we, we went out and we uh, I remember the first time I did was with uh, Sean Waltman, we done some uh malign- how you do them ones? Oh, uh, it was hot, it was August in Tampa and you do like ten Hindu squats, one push up and you build a ladder to where when you're done, you've done like hundred and ten push ups, hundred and ten Hindu squats. But yeah, I, I basically signed up for the whole deal. Because after my first time, like I said, I went down and I had about 10 or 12 matches. He said, Bobby, I, we went and we talked for a few minutes. He you said, know, I want you to forget everything you need, think you know about professional wrestling. And let me start you from square one. So when I signed up, I wanted everything from the, the conditioning to the wrestling to the, uh, you know, learning about getting bookings and then get myself booked out to different places, you know. And because I got to travel all over the world, but the conditioning part, yeah. And again, I was kind of seeking that male approval, I guess, the father figure in Malenko, and I, I gyrated towards that. So he, I had no problem with him saying, you know, well, I know another buddy of mine. He said, before I'm going to train you until you can do 500 straight Hindu squats, But who was a friend of mine, he, that was what Malenko prescribed to him, if you will. Maybe he started me even before that, because I could, you know, it was all I could do to finish the 10 of ones, which is for beginners to where I got to where I could do 500 Hindu squats and, and do the three-minute neck bridges and the 100 Hindu push-ups and, and all those different things because I was conditioned to do that. You know, had nothing to do with weightlifting or running. Or it was all geared towards wrestling. And then on a the mat wrestling, yeah, you could be tough for this and that, but learning how to... An uh, amateur wrestler, then also learning, oh, man, it's to hook you down or lock you on. the kind of you see nowadays with the MMA. A whole mixture of things to where... then you come up and start like... Even though you ran the ropes and, you know, you got the... Mess around with headlocks and hammerlocks and that, switches and all the chain wrestling. Then you started running ropes and adding spots. And it just, I just kind of went from the bottom up. And, and I saw the people that come in. You had a lot more experience. That started at another level. You know, it was great for
2: me. But I started, like I said, he asked to start square one, and I did, man. Before we move on from the Milankos, one more thing I want to ask you: Any advice did you still get from to this day, whether it was in wrestling or in life? that uh, you still use from the Melankos because I know you talk about the Melanchoisms. and uh, I'm just kind of oh, curious. Yeah. yeah. Curious about some yeah, stuff you maybe good, still keep. Yeah. Yep.
0: Good question. Like, you know, you know, he always, always said stuff like, you know, the eye is a mirror of your life. You know, you know, you know, just pay attention to what's going on around you. And then if you had an uh, upper body injury, one of the things you would tell you is like uh, whole head pull, You know, that was the cure off for every day. You <laughs> just pull that pull out of a light light. So he had all these different things. I'm trying to think of uh, just... Oh man! I, I, if I think of something, I'll come back to it. I apologize.
2: That's all right. I mean, you guys always worked out a lot and kept in shape too. I mean, Oh it's my so, God, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, the
0: workout. Thank you. Huh? <laughs> it was on my yeah. So he had a thing on his business card that said "Life is movement, and movement is life." But yeah. So man, I just got fucked up just
2: now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he, one of his things was, and I uh, let me. So you can edit that if you have to. But here's what he: I am at the age right now that. When I that when I met Melancho, he was at at this age, and this has become more and more true for me. I've noticed this just in the last couple of years, especially this year. He had to say, "Young men should work out." Old men must. And that's probably what I stuck with me, because I'm the old man now, and I must work out. But I mean, I've got to go hmm. either for a walk or go to the gym at least every other day. I'm doing something every day, whereas I had some stuff happen, and I didn't, I wasn't able to do some of the things I was used to doing. And, man, I realized, wow, that movement of just, you know, yeah, I'm the old man. So <laughs> young men should work out. Old men must. And I'm one of the old men. So I either go walk or I run a stationary bike, and I... Yeah. You know, <laughs> do that <laughs> and, and, and do some, you know lunges and the deep knee bends and and what i can i can't go down as far as i used to but yeah i still do the hindu squat yeah that was a good malencoism
3: right there so there you go awesome bob cook talks a lot about putting in the work at this age and not always enjoying it but needing to and it almost seems like malenko instilled that into you guys and you're almost just living his advice to this day
0: Absolutely, and I'll tell you. It's like I just was like, I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. Of course, he works out, and uh, he was just talking about this his podcast last week. There, probably like Sunday or Monday, he was talking about how some days you just don't want to work out, and some days he hated to go out for his run or what he was going to do that day. He said, "But when you're done." You feel so much better. And that's the thing with me at this movement. You know, I, I started back with a pretty good regimen at the uh, beginning of this year. I started getting into a groove again. I started hitting about April. And I was like, oh, this is, I'm not, I'm not today being so cold, it's like you don't want to do it. But you know what? When you get done, you're so glad at the end of the day that you went and put the work in. Again, whether it be a 30 or 45 minute bike ride one day, the next day, maybe you're just using a treadmill. Maybe another day, not this month, but last month I was still gonna walk outside some and go to the gym and stretch. Stretching, I've learned that just the stretching is very important and there's some days you just don't wanna do this, but guess what? You better do it, but when you're done, you do feel so much better. Mm-hmm. You, gl- you felt like you have that sense of accomplishment, like you've done something that day and your body feels that much better. Even though you're like trying to grind it out, you're like, man, you might think it sucks, but when you get through whatever's on that paper or whatever you know you're gonna go down in that workout do that day. It's better for you, and I'm so glad that wasn't still to be. But I always played sports and stayed in pretty good shape and this and that, but it wasn't until I got a little bit older. It was like, those lessons, like I said, young men should work out, old men must, those lessons are now the ones I have to live by. I must work out, and I know that.
2: I was watching uh, your YouTube series, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Awesome stuff. Uh, you're welcome. You were doing uh, legit badasses, really good stuff in there, and you had mentioned Rogan, and I know Rogan does MMA and commentates on UFC and stuff, and that got me wondering, like not in a bad way, but like maybe in a good way. Did you ever have a guy that you wrestled who was like super physical, like snug, not would hurt you, but like every time you wrestled him, you're like you knew it was going to be a tough but a, a snug match. Is there someone in particular?
0: From from just having that training, and and I didn't mind the the working of, you know, big snug or strong style, what do you want to call it? Because, you know, even in Japan, maybe working snug with it, I
2: like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, I got to wrestle Dan Severn, you know, a couple times and thankfully that was a gentleman's agreement and that's on that <laughs> YouTube channel also at yes. uh
0: dot com slash V B B V video. But all the legit tough guys, you know, we we put them guys on I, I I didn't get in the ring with like a Ming or a barbarian. Mm. I saw the guys that do, but probably for me like Scott Flash Norton, man, he's just a big strong guy. When I got to wrestle him there, when, you know, light taping and stuff, I was like, oh, man, he's so big or strong and strong. He, he really is. Mike Ennis, too. just them big, something about them big and power the Minnesota guys. You right. Know, they took care of me, man. They, they would throw me wherever. Thankfully, like with John, I stopped, that was Norton, rather. He just said, you don't want to be stiff out there. And I'm like, yes, it's all, don't worry about it. You know, good, I understood that, you know. We got behind the curtain, I was waiting on him because I was like, he really took care of me. And he was like, man, that's the best match I've had since I've been here in two years, you know. And He was one of them guys that works, you no know, studs or what have you. But uh, it didn't bother me. I respected that in that guy, you know what I'm saying? No, it didn't bother me, but I... I don't know. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: No, I was going to say, it must have been something about that Minnesota water, right? Because <laughs> I think the Road Warriors, Rick yeah. Rude.
0: Yeah. I saw a Road Warrior shoot Barry Horace off one time at the corner was Black and I got a WWF at the time taping. And it looked like, I mean, I know Barry was like, he could do, he, you know, he could work. He could take his own butt, but, man. It looked like one of them shut them so damn hard it's going to just keep on going like the old cartoons where <laughs> the ring ropes come out in 3D. I thought he was going out to the fucking front row just hitting the ropes they shot him off. The floor. <laughs> yeah, it's that Minnesota water, I guess. I met a person. He was a doctor. I don't know how long he lived in Nashville, but I was at a gym. This has been, oh, 10 or 12 years ago. And he was a big old guy. And I started talking to him. but Come to find out he was a doctor. And the thing he was like, well, I found you as a wrestler. I, I didn't know he was a doctor, but it's one of those things that you, you know. As you see each other at the gym, come I found out he's from Minnesota. I <laughs> 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 oh, he's so big, man,
2: because
0: he was just a big. He, was, he had been a powerfully younger, and I was like, it, it stayed with me. I was like, holy shit, but he knew who to roll your warriors and rude and all those guys were obviously, you know. But I was like, damn, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I saw on uh, your Bell to Bell was a match you had with Chris Benoit on uh, WCW Saturday Night. Where uh, Benoit put it over, it was one of the best matches ever had, and uh, it was just basically a situation where I think Mongo uh, wasn't familiar with your work, and he didn't really want to work work with you, and Benoit was going over the match, and you guys worked really snug, but had a great match, and it got really over very well. Do you have a favorite opponent in particular? That's something I was kind of wondering.
0: I, I worked with Chris several times, and I liked every match I had with him. That was the first time I actually worked, worked with him. Yeah, someone just asked me about that match yesterday at the gym, actually. But yeah, the way that happened was, uh, the, the best thing about that match was a year later, I was walking into a building, and Norman Smiley was there. He goes, hey, Bob, we had, well, we had trapped, we had been eating together. We walked outside. He goes, Bob, isn't this the building you and Ben Wally had a great match out last year? And I was like... You remember that? He goes, I always remember the best match on every card. That, that made me feel really good because I knew mm. it was a good match. I guess so the, the board before it went up, uh, Mongo they had me against Mongo. This is back when he was in the, the Horseman thing. And, man, first of all, the guy played 15 years in the fucking NFL on a Super Bowl championship <laughs> team. It's not going to be taken
2: lightly. You know, he's, he could rip your fucking head. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, apparently, did the, uh, the meeting, the, the war room or whatever, I guess he thought.
0: You know, well, this Bobby Blaze kid, you know, he, he can't keep up with me or, you know, too small, whatever it is. I don't know what, what he thought or whatever he up, said something. And, and Chris looked at him, and that just went off through Ben Walker. I had to get in Australia with him. I knew him from Canada. This guy, we worked together. So I knew his name Dean, you know, from being in Tampa. Yeah, so Chris and I knew each other. And I guess it just went off through Chris that he knew I could work. And he just come right to me and said, Bobby, here. I didn't know it at the time any of the other stuff with Mongo had happened. And so Chris said, Come here. And he just it got intense. We were staying, we were in the dressing room just kinda going of over a couple things quick. And I remember Dean and Eddie looking over and Dean walking over going, Are you guys over here shooting what are you all right? And we both got us looked I was just listening to Chris like and, and Chris like, yeah, I like, Yeah, everything's good. And so we hit the ring, we just went at it, man. You know, we worked really to pretty much the only I knew was to finish, you know, it's gonna be the the, you know, the, cri- the cripple cross face or what have you. The only thing I said in the ring, basically, he said, when I bid you over, I'm gonna be throwing knees at your face, so cover up. And the only thing I remember in that match, as far as something called, he grabbed me by the back of the hand, he said, knees, and I need to just cover my face up because a period of knees were coming. And they did, but I was protected, you know?
2: Yeah. And yeah. other
0: than that, we just we worked and left to the finish. Everything else was like, go, go, go. Yeah, so uh, over in Japan, Great Sauce Day, I got to work with him and he was just a pleasure to be in a ring with. He owned the company. He's main event. And he worked, you know, for New Japan and, and FMW. And, you know, on the company, the he here is I get to work with him. I remember working a main event with him in his hometown one time for, the, you know, that title he had. And, man, it was just a pleasure being with him. I had several matches with him with Robbie Brookside. I enjoyed work with Robbie Brookside. I was there for about a month one year. It was just, you know, some of those guys that are, that are worldly known, you just, you know, you can have a good match. With my favorite, probably my all-time favorite opponent is probably the late... Chris Candido, we were both young, athletic, uh, had a lot of different ideas that that was all geared towards, you know, professional wrestling though. You know, like we had different ideas, but it, it all evolved around wrestling. Like, I like this part, he liked this part. And that became probably my all time favorite opponent, you know, to answer your question.
2: Yeah. And I hope that leads somewhere else. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one other thing, we were kind of wondering about—you know, favorite opponents, the camaraderie. What about like maybe any favorite road stories that obviously did you feel comfortable telling? Because we know we know how road stories can be sometimes too.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, like things happen sometimes out on the road. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I... I could tell, you know, there's the Suda shooter, shooter that, you know, hit the other part. Oh, yes. <laughs> the
2: shooter shooter. We that, We were going to go there anyway. We could go there now. <laughs>
0: okay, that's fine. I mean, that's kind of like, oh, there was this. So, yeah, I don't I was over in Australia way back in the day and whatever, you know, but... <laughs> so things happen and whatever and <laughs> I get and Sue for the last two or three years a friend of mine he brought Rod he went to Wrestlemania when he wrestled he, Sue comes over she's still a huge fan of professional wrestling and like, Mania I think the last two or three Manias he sent me a picture of him and Sue together and she goes oh tell Bobby oh, uh, You know, Bobby it's lovely to hear from you just via text she might be standing right there so shout out to her but the character Sue is shooter too so I'm not trying to disrespect the human being but you know she's admittedly an open ring rack you know yep. back in the day that was her deal and so i guess she well i don't guess i know she had this interview and had this in a, in a mainstream magazine of all the guys she had been with <laughs> so i was supposed to the last american or last guy she had been with like back <laughs> in the day and i'm like i wasn't with you that's a fucking blowjob it's, it's a, <laughs> it a blowjob whatever but <laughs> Anyway, on 6.05, so I guess, they come across this one sitting at hand, and then Cornette comes over, and it's Brian and Jimmy, Jim on there going, they're reading the, the story, and then Brian's like, you know, that was your chance.
1: <laughs> and
0: so that kind of left the cat out of bag. But I knew that article came out like about 98 or so, because one of my buddies from Australia had called me, and so would read it to me, and I and I, I was like, uh, you know, just a few years removed from my incident, or
2: whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where um, I'm like, oh fuck, man! It eventually recirculated again. So I knew it's floating around out there somewhere. Good on her, and I'm glad. You know, she had her. It was a documentary. I guess they're taking it down now. But yeah, she had a whole show of all the people. I'm like, okay, wow. list I guess, right?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was actually familiar with Sue the Shooter from the Six Oh Five podcast, so that's funny to hear you put it all together. I had actually read your book, uh, "Pin Me, Pay Me," and I kept Dave in the dark about something. Can you enlighten Dave about the three P's of professional wrestling? Oh
0: man, yeah, I guess I have to go ahead and say <laughs> pills, pot, and pussy. Okay? Ah, all
2: right. I <laughs> told him pussy would be one of them.
0: <laughs> well, you figured there's three P's of professional wrestling, <laughs> and, and uh, I hope people do take
2: that with grain of salt. But you know, if father the tragedies and stuff that Oh, happen. yeah. Thing. but I think
0: it you know, seriously, it, it is like there's a time it's like, it's still potting pot and pussy, and, and if you got time, pick up a pizza, bitch, you know, kind of thing. So you can say the four feet to throw pizza in there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, usually at one point, sadly, or, or Whatever. Wherever you travel, that's just what it is. Some won't have this, and usually you have one or three or two or three or whatever. That's a pretty good combo, especially if you get some, and some pizza. <laughs> How's that? How's that? <laughs> I'll that? to the two feet now
3: for your G audience. <laughs> <laughs> now it's I had actually brought it up because I was heavily recommending your book to Dave. Pin Me, Pay Me, and then there's the other one that I haven't read yet, but I will be getting on Amazon. What was it like right. to write a book and actually put your stories out there?
0: Oh, uh, first of all, thanks for reading the book, and uh, yeah, I appreciate it. The, what happened was, is just like we're talking right now, you probably feel like I'm there with you or here with me or whatever. Just, you know,
2: definitely. Like, yeah. Maybe
0: having a beer after the matches, or maybe be at your house just watching football one Sunday, just talking or whatever, or be at the bar with your buddy. And, and so, what, what happened was, it seemed like, every, and I didn't really, I hadn't been out for a while. Like, I don't go out a lot, but I'm just saying, like, just go out to like, someone's house to watch football. Or even like I went to Kentucky Derby one year, just to, just to watch the horse race at you know, like a derby party. Everywhere I'd go out to, or like even a local high school football game, what have you. Someone say, man, did you ever wrestle this guy? And then bring up something. Or do you know so-and-so? And so so what happened, I just kept thinking, everywhere I go, people want to know a story. So I started coming home. When I came home, I started writing down, I had six of them. So this is kind of where I started at. Someone asked me about Dan Severn and they had actually seen the match. And I was surprised because this was again several years ago. And I was like, so I came home and wrote about that match after that evening. And then someone asked me about Piper and I was like, oh yeah, I'm wrestling Piper, you know. And so I just was like, started putting things together and I had just all these little notes and I just started like, okay. And one of my buddies one day were coming home. I don't know. We've been to a game or something. And, and uh, I'd always wanted to write a book, but I really hadn't thought thought much about it. And he was dropping me off. And he said, "Man, you really need to write a book." Because we've been to one of them ballgames and stuff where a bunch of people, you know, come around me and say, hey, have you, you know, I started telling wrestling stories. And that's how it becomes. I mean, I, and then the second one, I just went back and was like, okay, here's some things that, you know, some other stories. And maybe Creative Liberties were taken. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so my second book, called I Kicked Out On Two, The Educational Wrestler. And it's available on Amazon. I, I appreciate anyone out there who gets a copy. Uh, leave a review. I appreciate reviews. Good, better, and different. All reviews help independent authors. Let me just throw this out, too. You can get pin me, pay me at just go to com slash blazebook1 or get I kick on, too, at com slash blazebook2 or just go to Amazon and get them. I appreciate it. You can download them. There are ebooks also. But, yeah, that's how I wrote it. Just And I've got some stories I hope to share. And A lot of this is going to be about podcasts, of what's going on the last couple of years since I've written my last book. So I, I, I am working on a third and, and there's going to be some stuff about podcasts and the ones
2: I appeared on, so I have to put you guys over to Working Fans Podcast. Uh, goddamn right, here. Bobby. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, uh, what I'm thinking
0: about? Follow me on Twitter at Bobby 744. That's the only social media I use. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on. I, if you go to the YouTube channel and comment, that's great. If you go to the Facebook group and comment, that's great. I do get some of those uh, texts. Who does her graphics and does a YouTube channel. I appreciate that. Jeremy, my co-host, one of Bell to Bell podcast. I appreciate when they'll send me those things. But I'm only on Twitter, and I love interacting on Twitter. But that's just my choice for now, uh, you know. And, yeah, but that's how I started the, the book. So this this next one is kind of going to be mentioned and Maybe see a shooter, shooter story, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> Some of little things people always ask me about. Kind of tied all together with people that may not be listening to this podcast or not listening to my podcast or, or live in a cave somewhere. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One thing we wanted to ask you about, I was told to ask you about this in particular is it a work? <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, it'll work. I'll make a second It's all the work. I have got a white for that
2: question. Yes, it's all a work. <laughs> yeah, we are. We were talking about. We have another guy. We do this show with AJ, and he's been talking about doing a segment called "Is It a Work?" Where we take on just events in life, and we talk about is this real? Is this a work? Whether it's elections, <laughs> what? I, and I, I heard that you're very much into the same thing. Like, <laughs> take a lot of this shit. Sounds like a work. Yeah,
0: I got a shirt from Colorado. A few years ago, it was which is Al Snow's T-shirt company, and and Ron sent it to me. Like the Rod Hicks who, who sends me the picture of Sue every year, I'll be looking for it this year. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, he, he sent me a shirt that said "Life's to Work," and I'm like, man, that, that, that shirt, ever, man, I've worn it out. <laughs> yeah, everything's is working to some degree. everything's a damn work.
2: You uh, know, I, see yeah, I, I say that too. The more like not to get like into like politics or anything, but like just looking at like uh, President Trump, like the election and stuff like that. And his time in WWE, and you can see, like, oh, some of this is a fucking character, <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's like, right. I'm oh, yeah, like, that's just, yeah.
1: That's another thing. Right.
2: Some get that, some
0: don't. When, you, when you're saying, like, again, not to get real political, but yeah, you can see some of this the character. He came from reality TV, you know? Right. What I'm saying that. Yeah. It, it is what it is. So.
2: And that's you know, not knocking the guy know, or putting him over.
0: More there's, you can see there's some character there. You know. Yes. Yes.
2: And like I said, that's not. putting yeah.
0: over and I'm not buried them cause I'm not going to get that discussion. Same. Saying,
2: right. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. It's just, you can see where it's like, oh, and you go to region and you tell a region what they, they want to hear. And
3: it's like, oh, this is probably exactly. like. Yeah. It's like the guys in the Booking the Territory podcast always say. They always promote that things are a work. They'll bring it up. Yeah. It seems like a money segment.
0: But <laughs> that podcast, Mike, and. And Doc and Harper, that you know, I always put Mike Mills over because I love that book in the territory. I got to co-host it some, and I've been a guest on it. You know, uh, and actually done a couple shoot interview with them. And uh, there's some good ones out there. You mentioned the Six Oh Five, or you know, I this one here, like you said, you had a couple of my buddies over there, uh, Bob and, and Barry, and now myself, the uh, Malenko guys. I appreciate that, man. And, and I'm a podcast guy. I, Always listened, and I eventually, you know, I debated if I was doing one. I had a couple <laughs> people approach me. Jeremy was one of finally, he, he stepped up before someone else did, and, and I was like, yeah, let's do it then. And it's turned out pretty good so far, but we're you know, reestablishing to goals for next year. We're going to try to do another 12 to 18 months to see what happens, and, and I'm always looking to do podcasts because I listen to so many different ones, and, and I love them, especially done tastefully or not so tastefully or professionally, or DMO's that are professional. You know, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I, I just like getting it out there to. That people are can can enjoy this, you know. Yeah, yeah. Especially about wrestling that they may not know about. Times do change, and the networks up now, and you got YouTube, and you go watch. And there's and I I just said this in my podcast that we recorded. It came out this morning actually. I recorded it Sunday. Right now is really a good time to be a professional wrestling fan because there's so much you can choose from from everything WWE has. Did you know, A W now, so you still got your impact passion or not. But this NWA thing, if you like studio wrestling, I have been loving that on these last few Tuesdays when I, you know, whatever the segments were eight of those and I'm looking, I know the tapings were taking place this past year. I'm looking I love that stuff. I'm a fan. And I know New Japan's we started some stuff, but I find stuff on YouTube. Sometimes I'll just pick out someone and say, Okay, today is gonna be Nick Fox with that, especially the winner. And, you know, it's cold. You don't want to go out. It's gets dark early. say I'm going to watch all Nick Nick Foxwinkle that day or all Jerry Lawler matches or, mm. you know, tag matches. It's such a good time, though, to be, you know, with everything that is happening in the world of professional wrestling. I think there's a lot of variety out there. Don't think you have to be an AEW guy or a WWE guy or girl. You know what? You 100%. Know what you want, and, and, and just watch some fucking wrestling and enjoy it for what it is. You don't have to. Just because you like one doesn't mean you have to hate the other. 100%. It's, you know what? Don't watch that. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Watch what you like because there's a lot more to choose from now. Exactly.
2: I mean, the way it should be. Bobby, one other thing I yeah. want to just uh, say, kind of more of a comment and maybe just get some feedback. We've been doing this podcast and we've had maybe 14, 15 interviews? I don't know. Something. Maybe, uh, maybe would, not even that far. I would put about
3: like 10 12,
2: or so. 12, so. okay. And we've had a lot of young guys that are doing well and everybody gets us good interviews. And But we have to say, and Joe, you can help me out with this, Barry, you... Bob Cook and Pat Rose we talked to a little bit last week, too. There's something about you older older territory, guys. Like, you are just the best at telling stories, whatever reason it is. You know, it just seems like you guys just really are very good at the art of storytelling. Well, thank you. I
0: take that as a huge compliment, and I take that because I was a student of the game, and I'm a student of life. I observe a lot. I've always enjoyed watching people. Probably been ever one to, to back down from asking a question like I just say, you know, whatever people like probably know, just ask, you know, and you learn. And then, then also because I was around a lot of great people to watch and learn from, you know, to travel with, to be in a car with, to to spend, you know, weeks upon weeks on a Japanese tour bus with, you know. And and fortunately for me, I've been to Australia and South Africa and England and all over Canada and all over the United States. I mean, it's just, in Japan, of course, but I'm just saying it's just, uh, I've been really blessed that way. And as someone, I use this on my, again, on send me, pay me on a book promo. On my Twitter, I'll send this out sometimes, someone will review. And they they put Bobby Blaze, a natural storyteller. And it was another author from Houston that sent me to to review. And I was like, man, that's really cool. So I kind of use that sometimes. I take that as a great compliment but it's because I got to be around so many great people and learn from them, watch, observe, and listen. And, and, you know, it is what it is. its is. I'm just I'm a good storyteller, I guess. If that's what you say or another <laughs> one, I'll take it. And thank you very much.
2: <laughs> no problem. One last thing you, uh, I want to do before we get to promote again and wrap stuff up. Uh, one last question. We had had down here that, you know, something we never actually asked, even though it's kind of a simple question, is winning a belt. And uh, even though, obviously, everything, as you know, you talk about being at work, but is there a certain pride in winning a championship, you know, whether it's your first championship or that a company would pick that belt for you? If you
0: take pride in what you do, absolutely, because, you know, whether like, say, so we'll go up the Smoky Mountain region when I work for that territory, you know, and. And I think great, uh, Jim Cornette has one of the greatest minds in professional wrestling. You know, I think him and co- Kevin Fowl is another one has got a great mind. But where I work for Jim, that's the thing, whether it be the junior heavyweight title or let's just go up to Smokey Mountain heavyweight title. Yeah. yeah, I've had titles here in Florida or little regional things, this and that, but, but it wasn't on a national or bigger scene, if you will. So the way I looked at it was this company, they, they took enough, they put trust in you, you know. You're trying to make money together. You're working on an angle that's going to last next amount of weeks or months or maybe a year or what have you, and you're going to be the champion so, yeah, I, I think I did, and I think many people have. I take pride in the fact that they're putting, they have enough confidence, you you know, the booking, uh, the booker or the booking crew or the office, you know, they're giving you that nudge, like, you know, hey, here's the deal, man, this is where we am going to go with this. And you have the responsibility to carry that title, you know what I'm saying? Some people, you know, don't need a title to get over, and then when you have that title, if you don't know how to carry yourself, it just buries you. But, but when you can, when you take pride in it and you carry yourself as a champion for that, region or that territory again whether it be the TV title or, or a tag title yeah I think the video associated that up uh, you take pride in it but also realize that the company has taken you know an interest in you not just you know from from your tryout match to your to be a book regular to, to you know being a you know a TV star or whatever they're like glitting their stock in you to, to, to carry that title in their territory and Obviously, it's to make money and, you know, to carry out one of the main character lines and also main TV lines and main uh, house show. You know, you're the one that draw money off of. So you you damn sure better take pride that, you know, hey, this is what I've got to do for next six, eight weeks, months, whatever it may be. And, um, yeah, I think it's very important. I I, I think, you know, sometimes titles do get watered down or what have you, but I think any time that one of the major people in uh influences in professional wrestling that that's been a champion, those people have taken pride. They understand what it means to be on top. They worked hard to get there and they deserve that spot, uh, whether the fans like them or hate them because that's that's another good thing. You have your bellows or your heels or your baby facing good guys. That's you know, best. they're out there drawing money from your angles, you know. So yeah, I think so.
2: Bobby, uh, before I let you go, you're really a master at promoting too, but is there anything else you want to promote or get the word out again about stuff you're working on or doing?
0: Hit me up at Twitter. I'm at BobbyBlade744. I love hearing from everyone. If you're first-time listener or haven't read my book, I encourage you to go out and get one. Two people yesterday left me some really nice uh, little things on my Twitter account and really meant a lot. But yeah, I, I, I'll get back to you on those. It's especially because my book. I do help some younger guys out from time to time. I want to see, you know, just watch them and give them advice. Maybe I'll watch their matches or what have you. But yeah, you know, I've got the YouTube channel with Tex and Jeremy and that's at uh, tinyaround.com slash BBVB video. But basically, you just go to YouTube and type in a Bobby Blaze podcast and you'll find some video on it. Really, some good stuff, I think, because they do such a good job of me telling a story with jeremy asking the questions and blending in and texting the graphics yeah so hit us up there or again just get one of my books and if you have one i appreciate you getting it and i appreciate reviews and man i don't know when this is going to drop but uh sometime in the next few weeks it's going to be a whole new year so hey you know what just like i said on my podcast podcast if you're listening to this podcast right now the working fans podcast then happy new year to you and we know you can listen to other
2: podcasts, but thanks for taking the time to listen to this one, man. I mean, hey, I love podcasts myself, and I'll be listening. So, <laughs> Oh, God damn, Bobby, you're the man. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bobby.
0: Yo, you're welcome.
2: Thank you. I'm, I, you know, hey, thank you all very,
0: very much. Appreciate it. And, and Bobby, I'm going to mess. Fucking greetings and happy new year. Appreciate
3: y'all just having me on. I oh, know, man. We appreciate you being on. Thank you so much, man. Hey, thanks for coming on again. It was, this is the interview I was least worried about because it was like we were calling, a friend was calling us and we were just catching up with him. And I want to thank you for that very much.
0: Very cool. I'm glad I made you feel that way. So that's the way it should be, man. It's that's, that's all good. <laughs> all good. I appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much, Bobby. Have a nice Christmas and Happy New Year.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. If you're listening to this podcast right now, the Working Fans Podcast, then Happy New Year to you. And we know you can listen to other podcasts. But Thanks for taking the time to listen to this one, man. I mean, hey. I love podcasts myself, and I'll
1: be listening. So. <laughs> All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please...